whatever comes out of you comes out of you. Don't try to backpedal that into something that fits into an audience's box of comfort. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, oh, there, there it is. There's, there's the golden nugget. I've got a golden nugget. I okay. also have a problem remembering <laughs> words. <laughs> and with a golden nugget, hey, this doesn't rhyme. <laughs> Why do we keep hiring that guy? <laughs> this, this guy clearly doesn't know how to write lyrics. <laughs> I've got a golden nugget. I mean, because I think of a nugget, I think of either, you know, a gold nugget. So it's this like kind of tennis ball sized golden nugget in a big old bar in a chocolate bar you know (laughs) just hunk into it yeah oh my tooth oh fuck actually probably wouldn't hurt your tooth that much because a golden nugget would be somewhat soft i assume Mm. i mean i I hope if it was golden chocolate i'm i'm not like an authority on gold but from what i've heard you know it's relatively soft Oh, really? Compared to other metals. Huh. Well, I mean, I guess true, but if you took a if you took a bite into a chocolate bar expecting to get nothing but chocolate bar and you legit bit hard into a golden nugget, that might you might chip a tooth or two. Yeah, that might yeah. That's fair. So to answer your question, buddy, uh have I had time to ruminate? I thought that was brilliantly told, brilliantly said. I had some thoughts on on the creative process, but we'll get to those. Um, and in that, I actually, uh, it, it actually solidified my original uh, point of advice, which was to just write. Um, and as simple as that sounds, it's very hard for people to do that. Yeah. Uh, because people tend to want to make it right. And sometimes, in, in trying to make something right, it stops you from from even progressing at all. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so I would my my advice would just to be just 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 write maybe free flow a little bit and then just write something, and maybe uh, on the other times and also uh, just for your own some reinforcement and also for some inspiration, uh, find some some people whom whom whose works that you enjoy. And just just enjoy those. Uh, don't forget to enjoy other people's work. Sometimes you find things that give you permission, that you feel gives you permission to write the way you want to write or do things the way you want to do. I, I kind of felt that way when listening to Kevin Smith and um, uh, a couple of other writers. And I've heard some spoken word artists and everything. And I, I hear them and I'm, I'm all, oh, well, fuck, they they expressed themselves that way. Why the, why the fuck can't I? So it was, it was kind of a, it almost gave me the green light, you know, yeah. to, 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 to write how I, how, to write and not be afraid to, to go about it how I wanted to go about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump on both of these points uh, to say on the just writing front, uh, I absolutely hear that because the hardest part for me about writing something is when I've figured out what I want it to be. So the early process of just sort of like spitballing and like, oh, I can have the character do this. Oh, what if the character does this thing? Oh, what if this is a thing about the character? Oh, my gosh, this character could totally have this quirk and the blah, blah, blah. Oh, I, and then I could give them like there could be this like mentor or this best friend or like I can throw this thing in there and I'm sort of figuring out how the story goes. It's just fun and creative and, and, and all over the place. And I'm piecing the thing together. And when I get to the point where I'm about a quarter of the way into whatever I'm telling and I go, okay. So I know where it starts. I'm now nearing the middle. I know how it ends, and I know who these characters are. 
that's when it becomes the hardest because suddenly it's no longer just a sort of creative, do whatever the hell you want. Suddenly it is, I, I am now, I am now in the slog of actually doing everything I set out to do. Yeah. That is the much harder part to me. So the just writing part, that's the fun part. Just write shit down and it doesn't matter if it's good or not. When you get to that middle section and we'll talk about how to get past that in a bit, but when you get to that middle section, that's the part for me that's really hard. Jumping onto your second point, I, yes, the number of people musically uh, who have inspired me is astounding uh, at this point in my life. And I think we've talked about this before that my style of music writing is a combination of so many different people's styles that you would not recognize them anymore. Like it used to be that Ben Folds was a big inspiration and the December were an inspiration. And and these people are still inspirations, but when it was just those two, you could tell that it was those two. Now it's like 30 different songwriters and about 20 different musical theater composers. And with all 50 of those musical voices in my head, you can't really tell who it is I'm emulating anymore because it's, it's a new thing now. It's a combination of so many voices. Um, mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is also... Seek out what you consider to be crappy writing and then pe- oh, pick yeah, apart yeah. why it's crappy. What is Absolutely. it that's wrong with that writing? Why does it not ring true to you? Why does it sound cliche or sound uh, inauthentic? Uh, what is it about that author's voice that you don't like? Because that'll teach you as much, if not more, than the people that you actually admire and the, the work that you, uh, that you enjoy. Absolutely. I just hit my agree alarm and it is ringing. We've got an agreement. It's one of the We've four got agreements. Agreement. Oh my God. It's one of the four agreements. <laughs> Fuck. That's what, that's what my agreement alarm sounds like. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> so He's like, oh man, a, a, a gun ban. He's like, well, how about a gun reform? I agree. I agree. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> agreement. Agreement. Um, but no, actually, buddy, you're absolutely right. I, I've, I've learned more from watching, you know, shitty movies. And also I've learned more from watching student films that are obviously student films. And I don't mean that to, to shit on students who are trying to, you know, learn their craft and everything. But you can really learn a lot from what you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you don't want to. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see an actor or an actress not know what to do with themselves. I don't want to see generic dialogue i don't want to see this framing do this thing or 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 i don't want to hear the sound cut out and am, have an amateurish feel to it i don't want these i don't want this this uh this character to, who has single lines to have nothing behind them you know yeah it, it, you're absolutely 130 percent correct that seeking out some of the bad things can really uh uh enlighten um because you kind of know where not to tread and where you don't want to go. And as annoying as it will be to your friends, the more hypercritical you can be, the better. Uh, and I say annoying to your friends because I've known plenty of people who, especially with musicals, I, I come out of a musical and I'm like, here's everything that was wrong with that show. And they're like, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. I just had a good time. And I'm like, no, but it wasn't a good show. And here's why. And I will go down the list of 
this the author used this lyric at this point the 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 lyricist used this lyric at this point and that lyric doesn't that's not in the voice of the character this person would never have made that choice this person wouldn't do and i'm going through this list of like hypercritical things that wouldn't have happened and of course that's all subjective but also those are the flaws that i'm finding so that when i sit down to write a musical i don't make those mistakes i don't put those things into my show that ring untrue do you ever do you ever find the, that's kind of the price you pay of, of having a critical ear because is it, is, is that the price you pay? And also is it harder for you to in, just sit back and enjoy? Um, I do think it's the price that you pay as a writer. Uh, I think that you, you lose the naivete and the innocence that allow you, allowed you to enjoy the things that probably got you into the craft in the first place. Certainly, when I was a kid, the musicals that first got me into musical theater, I don't enjoy anymore because I look at them now with a trained ear and a trained eye and I'm going, wow, that's not good. That It was fun and, and energetic and it made me like musical theater when I was younger, but it's not actually good work. Um, however, I don't, uh, I don't think I'm unable to enjoy things anymore because when I find something that is really good, I enjoy it all the more. I enjoy it on that emotional level where I'm reading this book or I'm watching this play and it touches me. It affects me somehow. But then I get to go home that night and analyze how it did that, how it affected me. What did the creator do to make that such an impactful thing? And then I get to enjoy it all over again because I get to find all the little nuances that they put in there. Uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, so sure, it does make it, it does make me less likely to enjoy something, but something that I enjoy, I think I enjoy that much more because I know how they, I can figure out how they did it. It's like being a magician and watching someone do magic. When someone, yeah. like Penn and Teller, when someone fools Penn and Teller, they're thrilled. They're like, this is amazing. I totally don't know how you did what you just did. It's mm -hmm. that much more exciting to be a magician and be fooled by another magician than to be a random audience member who never could do any of that stuff in the first place. You know what's funny? I think that actually sometimes comes with the your mastery level as well. Penn and Teller are clearly masters of their craft. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think when you're mastered that, you're confident, and therefore you can start enjoying again. And, and it's cool. Like The people who don't fool them, they still understand the work that goes into – uh, uh, you know, uh, finding their voice as a magician, um, but and they they never ever discourage the people who didn't fool them. They would always be encouraging about like, hey, this is what I this is what I legitimately loved about your performance. You didn't fool us because we know how you did it, but we we like where you're going with it and we like what you're doing. Um, and I think that can translate back to people who are writers and they appreciate each other's writing. And I like I I don't know why I've always liked it when people of the, the same craftsmen can talk to each other and be okay. Uh, I think the, a level of mastery can really, really help um, an understanding and a confidence in, in your chosen writing Yeah. or excuse me, your chosen craft. Yeah. Agreed. Um, um, so uh, Sean coming back to you, does this, does this help? Uh, I really hope it helps him. Uh, and, and it might even help with the audition, you know, because when, you, when yeah. you understand the writer's perspective. Buddy, I thought he was taking notes on what we were saying, but um, it looks like he's actually taking notes on his audition script. I think he's kind of really focused on running through this audition 
monologue for us. Oh yeah, is that is he? I can't tell over the screen, but is he mouthing his his lines? Uh, it, yeah, I I kind of wasn't watching him for a while while we were talking, but it does look like he is just mouthing through his. Sean, hi, thanks. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I totally know you need to prep. I don't mean to to get in the way of that, but also we are recording right now, so if you wouldn't mind kind of being in the moment with us here rather than being in character over there on the in there in the page maybe oh he's just man he's just going he is just yep. going on that script well buddy yeah buddy uh uh i have a question for you this is based off of a a, a segment i saw from bill bill Maher, who had a very controversial uh uh segment on his show when stan lee passed away did you ever hear about this i did not he was basically saying that you know hey if you're if you're a grown man who still only reads comic books and you have all the figures in your in your in your room and all this other stuff that you just need to grow up. You're a big you're a gigantic man child and he he made fun of he made like a dig at Kevin Smith and, and other stuff. But he went on to saying that comic books are not good literature. I just man, I I, I could not agree. It would be impossible for me to disagree less. Uh, or excuse me, disagree more because I, I disagree with him that much that he's wrong about comic books not being well-written, p- provocative pieces of, of, of literature. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not as versed in comic books as you are, uh, but I, the ones that I have read, I have to agree. Writing a comic book is like writing a good, writing a good comic book is like writing a song with good lyrics. You have to refine down to as as little as po- little space as possible what your characters need to say so it takes a lot of craft to be able to get the story told in that space but then also when you have a really effective author writing the writing the lines that these characters say in comic books yeah it's good writing it's it's as good as if they were writing a book or a tv show or anything else yeah and you know, of course, it's comic books back in the day started out as as children's things, of course. Uh, but they evolved into a a pretty profound and powerful medium for telling stories. And they just so happened to use they use pictures and visuals along with very well crafted dialogue and very uh, um, the uh, the information panels that they'll use, the narrative panels that they'll use to where it's 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 just setting a stage. He he was saying, you know, oh, you know, Shakespeare doesn't, you know, how, how do you have something as brilliant as Shakespeare? And then he was like, so we have that versus Hulk smash, Hulk smash. And I'm like, well, of course, if you pull in Hulk smash versus something Shakespeare wrote, that doesn't sound that the comparison sounds oddly, you know, one's childish and the other one's completely, you know, intellectual and profound. and <laughs> But. Some of the craziest stories that I've read, the stories that stuck with me pretty hard have been through comic books. Sure. I, I'm also yeah. on, on the Shakespeare front. Is Shakespeare the benchmark? I mean, is that if we're comparing, if you compare just about anything to Shakespeare, especially anything modern, well, of course, it's not going to be the same. It, Shakespeare's a different level of writing. That's like saying like, oh, don't listen to rock and roll music because Chopin existed. Well, Chopin was an excellent composer who wrote in a particular style don't listen to uh punk because you know there's beethoven to listen to 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things exist and they're amazing, but also there are some incredible rock and punk bands who are redefining still the genre of rock and roll or the genre of punk. They're doing completely new and different things with it that are really intellectual, uh, still using the form of punk. So on that level, you have people who are doing kind of the same idea as what some of the classical composers were doing. There are people who are revolutionizing comic books in that way, too, who are writing comic books to be extravagantly intellectual pieces of work. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yes, you have your Hulk smashes, but also that's very in character for the Hulk because Hulk do smash. But, Mm -hmm. But then you also have... You have, you know, Hulk's alter ego, who is an an incredibly intelligent scientific man who has so much going on in his mind that he can't control it all. Mm-hmm. There's, there, yeah. See, there, there. I, I watched it, and there was a bit of a. I had to take, I had to take about ten minutes to, to understand what he was saying. I think he was saying, if that's, if, if all your literature, if all your your knowledge of literature comes from comic books, then yeah, of course, expand your horizons a little bit. But to sit there and suggest that they're not good pieces of literature, that's fucking stupid. I think Allison brought up the thing where, okay, yeah, Hulk smash might not be profound, but uh, with great power comes great responsibility. That's a profound line. Sure. So can I, can I bring this back to the writing process? Of course, buddy. Uh, So we talked about that, when you hit that middle point where you know what the story has to be and now you just have to finish it, um, when when you, the, the advice of, oh, just write it, doesn't necessarily work so well anymore because you know what you need to do and you need to write it a particular way, how do you get past that? To me, what's kind of helped me focus is just remember, what is this story about? You can tagline and or logline what you're writing. What do you Which mean by that? tagline and logline? Um, say if we're using Harry Potter as an example, uh, you can uh, the logline would be like when when young uh, estranged uh, neglected boy Harry Potter finds out he's a wizard, such and such happens to the prophecy of him taking out the ultimate wizard of taking out the ultimate evil wizard, and boom, that's it. And within that whole thing is the world that J.K. Rowling created for Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And I always found that if you, can, if you can just simplify what your story is and not get too intellectual or too this or too that and put too much in it to where you're, now you're, you're swapping genres and you're missing the point of your story, you know, it, it, just, it makes it so much simpler. But also um, sitting there asking yourself, why did you write this? Uh, I think that can happen. If you can answer... Uh, uh, if you can answer that simply, I think that that can really uh, 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 help you with that middle part in your story because then you realize what you want to do with it. Um, for example, the story I'm writing, uh, uh, the, the one piece that I'm writing about uh, the conversation between God and the devil, um, you know, there's all kinds of shit I could I, I wanted to say with stuff that God might have an opinion about and stuff that, that the devil might have an opinion about. But I asked myself, well, no, no, no. I, I tried to focus it and say, hey, no, this is actually a story about a parent and a child. So focus on that. Mm-hmm. Focus on that part and any any fluff that comes with it. 
will hopefully serve the story of the of the present conflict and what's happening between them right now in this story. Um, so I, I, I think um, that long ass explanation is to say that if you can simp- if you if you return to a state of simplicity, it's it's very easy. It's a much easier to focus um, to focus your story. Uh, I personally feel like that question, why am I writing this would, would frustrate me to the point that I would never write anything again. (laughs) Like I, really, I, there's usually some message in mind. Um, or sometimes when I'm writing something, I discover the message along the way. But if I take the time to stop and ask myself, why am I writing this? The answer is usually, I don't know. Fuck you. (laughs) Stop stop writing it then. If 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 you don't have if you don't have an easy reason to write it then stop writing it. And I would never get anything written. Uh I think part of that is because as as intellectual as I try to be particularly with lyric, uh most of what I write comes from an emotional place. A character that I feel for or uh or a group of characters that are going through something. And I'm focusing on how they react to that thing and what they are feeling in those moments and how those feelings affect what they do. And uh, so for me to stop and say, well, why am I the writer writing this? I'm writing it because these characters are making me write it. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know what, that's, uh, I I feel that, that that's probably a way healthier way for someone who writes as much as you do to do that you buddy write a lot and you have so many different mediums in which you tell these stories i think that level of of quantity and quality you want to put with your work would only be mentally and physically and spiritually healthy if you had the mentality you just said right now which is uh, you know, sometimes I don't know why the fuck I'm writing these things because I, I just had this idea and there's these characters and okay, here we go. I'm I'm, I'm going to do the best I can with it because I think when you write that much, it's a purpose. Purpose only has I, I don't want to say a shallow well, but you know, um, a purpose can really you know it burns really hot, really fast. But you know, and then once that purpose is done, and if you feel you've accomplished it, then you know, okay, you're on to something else. Here's here's my my trick, I guess, when I'm dealing with that, when I am in those, like, I have no idea what this character is going to say right now. I have no idea what this chapter is going to be or whatever. I go for a walk. That's my trick. <laughs> That's what I do. I go for a walk. I don't try to examine it. I don't try to look deeper and try to find some meaning that I was missing before. I don't add anything to it. I just go outside and walk through a park and walking clears my head, but also allows me to do to just, I can just focus on that thing. You know, just going outside and taking a breath for a little while is one of the best things that I can do. That That's awesome. Do you, do you have a, uh, do you have a time limit or do you just walk until I you're walk, good? I walk until a, I am tired. Um, and sometimes that happens. <laughs> Or B, until I get an idea to move past whatever it was I was working on. Um, And usually B happens first. I usually get the idea before I am tired. Every now and then I've gone out for like a two-hour walk and I'm coming home and I'm like sweaty and I have a migraine. 
and then I don't write for the rest of the day because I feel like crap. But more often than not, I I get some idea to push me past the the thing. Nice. Uh, I actually, you know, I actually have to start implementing that because I usually tend to. What I tend to do is I I only write in spurts to where I'll write for twenty five minutes, take you a break, and then I'll write again for another twenty five minutes. Yeah, I, I take squirts in between my 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 writing, so I'll write for twenty five minutes, masturbate angrily and 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 emotionally, and then uh, drink a squirt, and, uh, and then I'll drink a squirt, uh, uh, and then I'll pick on a guy named Squirt because he's little. <laughs> but no, I I probably I, I should start doing that because when I'm I usually have marathon days where sometimes I'll write and I'll just start. Uh, 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 I'll be in a flow state and I'll just write for two hours and I have no idea two hours went by. But I do have to learn to just kind of get up and let it, you know, basically just let go. I think what's funny is you said that, and I think there's actually some science behind that. Um, they say when you're doing anything creative or that's that's, um, you know, if you're trying to reach an occupational milestone, whether it be creative or business wise. They say sometimes, uh, you know, you can trek through. You can you can do like a, a an aggressive baby and just break through that wall, break through that hymen. Uh, which your mother? Wait, hymen. Your mom shouldn't have a hymen if she's pregnant. Not what the if, fuck? Yeah, not if you're coming out of her vagina. She shouldn't. <laughs> nope. There's that thing is obliterated. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, Ma'am, uh, it's you seem to have an obliterated <laughs> hymen. Um, <laughs> we're gonna have to fix that. What do you mean? I mean, most most women, their hymens, uh, you know, there's there's a, there's some tearing to the uh, the tissue, but yours is just obliterated. What have you been putting inside you, ma'am? Um. Well, I mean, I just gave birth. Uh. Well, I mean, your hymen was clearly. We took some pictures before you gave birth, and your hymen was clearly obliterated before you gave birth. Oh. Uh. Uh. Well, I. I was experimenting with uh, certain chair legs. Great. So, are have any of these chair legs been, say, larger than oh, half a foot in diameter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you shouldn't put those in your vagina, ma'am. Oh Jesus! I hate. I'm gonna uh, second opinion. Oh, uh, well, hi there. <laughs> I'm I'm Doctor Know It All. That's my actual last name. <laughs> Oh, hi, Dr. Know-It-All. Hi, how can I help you? Well, um, my last doctor said I, I have an obliterated hymen. <laughs> well, let me have a look here. Sure. It's like a war zone in there, particularly the War of Normandy. So I just, he wants me to stop putting the the things I put in there in there, and I don't want to do that. Well, what things are you putting in there? Chair legs. <laughs> Sounds like fun to me. You keep at it. Thank you, Doctor. You're the best. By the way, I also specialize in confirmation bias. <laughs> Here's my card for both my MD and my confirmation bias. <laughs> <laughs> this doctor, I swear. Um, here's 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 the thing that, that that astounds me about writing. Do you ever do you ever wonder that people? Obviously, any any good writer, brilliant writer, will always tell you that. In hindsight, there maybe their works could have been better, or it could have been this, or it could have been that, and they put so much thought into their work. But I ever, I also wonder if sometimes writers just put things out there, and they don't, they almost never expect either the backlash or the response or the huge, you know, if it's a hit. And 
all of a sudden people start imposing their own thoughts and theories on this writing and the writer had absolutely no fucking idea where they got that but it makes sense you know sure uh for my own part the only time that i have thought about how my work would be interpreted uh actually was working on my most my my musical that just got put up and the last few songs i finished writing during the rehearsal process so i was writing them with my particular actors in mind which sort of it changed some of the stuff that i had planned for those songs because i thought well this is this is something that's more appropriate for that performer or for that voice um and so there was there was a not really a change in my writing style but i i was considering something outside of what i wanted to do with the piece other than that no i don't think about that stuff when i'm writing i don't think about if this could be turned into a movie or how an audience is going to accept it or any other thing outside of the realm of these are my characters and this is my idea and this is i'm just going to write as honestly as I can to that point. I've listened to other podcasts where writers talk about the, not so much the the writing process as the process of getting your writing out there into the world. And most of the writers that I have listened to talk about how they have somebody who does all that shit for them. They sit down and they write a book and then somebody who presumably likes their work uh, probably a fan that at some yeah. point contacted them and said, I'm a business person and I know how to make, how to get this stuff out into the world, contacted them and, and started doing that work for them. Started, you know, like, I'm going to promote your book for you. I'm going to find publishers. I'm going to send it off to different companies to see if, who will take it. I'm going to distribute materials to potential fans so that they can find your book. And meanwhile, the writer is, in his office or his study, writing his next book, writing her next book. Like they, th- th- I am the same way. I am very much the creative mind. I sit down and I write the thing. And then when it's done and written, I won't do anything with it unless someone like Lilo takes it and, and puts it out into the world. The only reason my musical got seen by people this last January was because Lilo went to like like contacted people involved with the fertile ground festival and figured out how we would get my show into fertile ground and then she contacted theaters to see who would be available to to have us put on my show and then she set up auditions so that we could have actors for my show and she found a musical director so that we could have a musical director for the show she put all that together i wrote it all i did was write it which granted is a big chunk of it but once it's done and written it needs to get out into the world somehow. And I think most writers don't want, don't either don't know how to, or don't want to take care of that part. So you need somebody to do that for you, which then brings me back to, no, I don't think that there are any writers who are not any, there are, there are probably some, I don't think that most writers are thinking about what's going to happen with their work when it gets done. I think they're just thinking about, I'm going to finish this work. Right. And then what's funny is because then that brings me to a question of I wonder if we're all working too hard because if you think about some of the most popular things, there's sometimes they're the absolutely the most simplest. For example, um, I think I've mentioned it in a podcast previously, and I know I've told you about it, buddy, uh, but the show One Punch Man. 
yeah, you ever seen it? it? I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but you told me about it. Yeah, you know, it's fun, and it's 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 kind of it's a you know it's a comedic anime, um, uh, based off of a character who is so overpowered that he he ends every fight with one punch. You know, that's that's the that's the whole gimmick. No matter how much the 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 bad guy uh, powers up and has this whole proclamation and declaration that that this creature is the destroyer of all and it shall he just it's nothing to him because he just fucking sticks his fist out and they blow up you know it's uh you know it's funny but then from that you know there's thousands of of youtube videos and fan theories about who is one punch man and and could he beat goku could he beat uh uh if he was in the marvel universe could he be so you know and then they take this very simple concept, uh, you know, and the writer who probably, you know, was just making a fun comic, you know, nothing too crazy, and then just fucking blew it up. They they blew it up for him, and I'm wonder- with that. I'm wondering if we're all just working way too hard, you know, and, and maybe I suppose it, it depends on your 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 goals or your gain, you know, what you want from it. But it really does beg the question of, you know, do you have to? Do you really have to? rack your brain to make influential pieces of art um i'm sure there's authors out there who give you every piece of information that you could need because their works are prophetic and they're profound and they're going to stand the test of time and they're going to relate to you today as much as they're going to relate to you 30 years from now and they comment on society and the economy and the the self and everything versus the other writers who really throw out a very blanket simple thing and then people start imposing their own lives on that particular story thus they start to figure things out for themselves hey buddy yeah buddy sean astin uh has to do his audition monologue for us um so i want to make sure we get to that i forgot about sean yeah yeah that's don't forget about Sean. You can't forget about our guest, buddy. Sean's got to do this audition monologue for us. So, uh, Sean, so I'm going to turn the phone so you can see him. All right, you can see him. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, so, Sean, uh, go ahead and take it away. Do your audition monologue for us. Are you kidding me, buddy? <laughs> buddy. Oh come on, Sean. He's auditioning to be a mime. It's a mime audition. Of course he was. Sean, so you've, what been, was he, you've been what was he mouthing your lines. Time? What are you working on? Okay, he's going to just stay in character. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, you know, on that He's a Sean. On that terrible, on that terrible audition, uh I think I think we're going to bring this to a close, buddy. Um, well, I want to thank Sean Aston for being here and going over his mime lines while we Woo, were talking. Thank you, Sean. Uh, buddy, I want to thank I loved you as Scroto. Oh, yeah, me too. I loved you as Scrotum. Um, that was his character's name, right? Scrotum. Scrotum. Scrotum Baggins. <laughs> Scrotum Baggins. Baggy. Uh, buddy, thank you for being here. Uh, I thank myself for being here. Thank you, Ozzy, right. for doing all the costuming and, and microphone work. Uh, and, uh, and thank you listeners for listening in. Hey, are you a writer? Have you written a story that we can steal? Email it to us at shoot us shit <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, or, you know, just ask us questions about writing because we write and maybe we have some answers like we know anything. Uh, 
Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Loud in the Fog. You can find us on Twitter, not that we use it much anymore, but that's Loud in the Fog too. Uh, and just go on the internet and search Loud in the Fog. And I guarantee if you look past the one site that's about Loud Foghorns, you'll find us. We're right after that. Uh, Most definitely. So, uh, yeah, go go find us on the webs, on the interwebs. Uh, this has been Shoot the Shit, and there's some playout music that's going to start right about now. Uh, wait, uh, um, we forgot to sign off, But before buddy. we do, the, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that. The music starts, and then okay. we sign off. That's how this works, buddy. Haven't oh. you ever listened to an episode of the show? Buddy, Never. start us off with our sign-off. Thank you so much for listening to us at Loud in the Fog here at Shoot the Shit. And remember, take four and ask yourself. Is it the food, or is it you?